When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post and JP Finley of NBC Sports Washington as we answer your questions to five burning topics, some of course involving quarterback and others involving the direction of the franchise. This will be the first of a two-part podcast with Nikki and JP. By the way, you can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A, and JP at JP Finley NBCS. You can also catch the three of us on Sunday mornings at 7.30 on NBC4 in Washington on the Washington Football Showtime. And of course, you can read me on ESPN.com. Our second part will deal with what life is like on this beat. I'll get more into what to expect in the second half of the season on a future podcast next week. Before I play my conversation, you'll hear at the end of this one that I said we had two more questions. Well, I only got to one because we kind of ran out of time, kept them a little bit longer than I had promised them. So I'm going to answer the one question I didn't get to. One of the questions that I actually was going to get to will actually be the topic for one of next week's podcasts about the second half of the year, players to watch, et cetera. So I don't want to answer that now because I can talk about it next week. Instead, John Taman wanted to know, have you gotten any inkling as to why Ron feels such loyalty to Taylor Heineke? Seems to me he's got minimal, minimal investment and a similar relationship with Kyle Allen, who has actually demonstrated he can win NFL games and has a stronger arm. Is the injury still bugging Allen? My understanding is that no, the injury is not. Now, I believe this was a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, where you heard that Kyle Allen was really looking like he did before. I also know at the end of last year that Ron Rivera said that they would have done what they did if Kyle Allen had stayed healthy. That's the kind of confidence they had in them. And then that Tampa Bay game happened. I think that changed a lot of things. So in talking to some people, the feeling around Allen is that it would take a massive interception game by Heineke to force a change. And I'm talking like six, seven, eight. So in other words, they didn't see it happening. They know that Rivera is wedded to Heineke. I don't quite have a great handle as to why, other than what I kind of said earlier, to be honest. I know his legs can provide a spark. I also know that they do talk a lot about how that he's still young and developing. He's only started nine games. I think they're curious to see what level he can get to. I know that when he's going right, he plays with confidence, and that rubs off on others. And he's done some good things. We saw it at the end of the Falcons game. We saw it at the end of the Giants game, even after that interception. So did Allen last year when he started. And there are some plays that you see that, that Heineke misses, some throws in the red zone that were available that he didn't get. But I think with Allen, I think they know the ceiling. One person had told me that they view Heineke as, that people there view him as a low-end starter, but a high-quality backup. So I think they're really trying to develop him. And when you hear Ron Rivera, he'll talk about, well, as he gets more experience, he'll learn this and he'll learn this. So I do think, like I said, I think they look at him as maybe not a quite a finished product. I also wonder if Rivera is still swayed by how players reacted to Heineke at the end of last season, mainly like a guy like Chase Young and 
and Terry McLaurin, not that just that those two are demanding that he plays, but just the impact that he had on the players. But his play is inconsistent. And I do hear frustration from various people close to some players. That's kind of natural in the situation. They are two and six, and he, he's, not, he's not always playing great. That's going to happen. But we, JP and Mickey and I do discuss quarterbacks more on here. But I did want to try to answer this question before I got going. I don't know that I gave you a great answer because I'm not sure that I fully understand it myself, um, even though I do think it's a lot of what I said. Anyway, I hope that helps, John. So now let's get to my roundtable mailbag with JP and Mickey Javala. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, so usually I do these mailbags by myself. My back's getting a little bit sore. My knees are aching, so I needed some help. So I have Nikki Javala and JP Finley here with me to answer some of your questions. And I wanted to get a broad range of opinions for these. And these are some topics I think people want to know about. So let me get to the first one here. Um, and this is, this is appropriate because we've just passed the deadline for the trades. And this guy's still out there, but he's got a lot of baggage. So a couple people want to know, Cole Hearn, and then sell the team, Danny Boyd. Both want to know about Deshaun Watson. Basically, why won't Washington go in on a quarterback like Watson? I know he has no trade clause, but I'm with J.P. Finley on this. Who cares about the bad PR? We need a QB that will help us win. Would you be interested? Or they want to hear our opinions on that. So I'll start on this one first. The no trade clause pretty much is going to kill that here. I think a few things would have to happen right now. That's not going to happen. But then the other part is the legal part. Nobody knows when that's going to end. You know, the civil case, I think, could drag will be, I think, going on in May. And the criminal case, if there is one, if they send it to a grand jury, we don't know what the timetable is on that. So I think that will make any trade with Watson hard. But I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion. Nikki? I I agree. I mean, why would you take on that contract and give up significant assets if you don't even know the guy will be available. I mean, the league hasn't said he cannot play. Um, but if something changes in that legal case, he, he could be placed on the commissioner's exemplus. He could be placed on the commissioner's exemplus anyway. I'm, I'm sorry. People keep saying he has to be charged with a felony to be placed. No, he could be placed on it anyway. Um, but it's just so counterintuitive to what, uh, Ron Rivera has preached since the day he arrived in terms of, um, finding players with the right character. Now he could be innocent in all this. I'm not rushing to judgment, but you think about what he is dealing with right now, Deshaun Watson, and does that fit with what Ron is trying to build? I would say absolutely no. JP, do you embrace the do whatever because people hate you anyway? Go all in. 
Um, let, let's start by saying the allegations are abhorrent. And if they're proved, I mean, the reason this thing is dragging on in civil court is, won't, is because he won't just settle, which right. leads me to believe he doesn't think he did it. Now, right. I don't know. We'll find out. I also think it's weird that the, everything popped up once he publicly demanded the trade out of Houston. Like, to me, there's just so much weirdness surrounding this. Um, and, and Kime, kind of most importantly, some major changes would have to happen before he could get right. here. I'll recognize that. I, I don't think this is happening, but I think the thought process is where this organization needs to be. They haven't had a quarterback for 30 years and, and maybe 60 years. Go back to Sonny Jurgensen if you want. The other strategy here is is to hit a winning Powerball ticket because it's so damn hard to just draft the right rookie quarterback. They had one. They had Kirk. They ran him out of town. They had Robert. He got hurt, and everything went to complete and utter bad places. Like, this franchise is so broken, the only thing that can fix it is a franchise quarterback that can win games year after year. Deshaun can do that. And, dude – Here's here's the one thing I'll say. If if you don't want Deshaun Watson on your team because of what he's allegedly done, and you are taking a moral stand against that, I got I got no argument. That's entirely fair. But if it's because they can't take more PR, get out of here. All this team does is take more bad PR. Time the Ruben Foster thing. Things could bad, never get bad PR. Bad PR. They got, they got worse a month later. The month that, of October. And if it's because you're worried he goes on the commissioner exempt list, do it now. Who cares? Suspend him the rest of the season. This season is shot. Now that the trade deadline is passed, it's, it's less relevant. And I think what's going to end up happening is we'll get to – maybe it comes out earlier, but my guess is it's March. And he goes somewhere better and plays well and perhaps pays a bunch of fines. I don't know. Um, and Washington's stuck in the continuous search for QBX. And I, I was also curious, like, because Miami obviously is, is the favorite destination for him, it clearly seems. And the fact that they didn't get anything done now makes me wonder what they maybe learned in some of this. Um, and, it, you know, and, and, you know, that Ross wanted him to settle and that's what he needed to make this thing happen. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know all that. But the other part of it, too, is, again, I think if that civil case is still ongoing in May um, and maybe even if there's a criminal case, that's why this thing could get pushed on for a long time, possibly. So anyway, let's go to number question number two. Um, at no, no pressure at gone ride. How likely is it that Washington will be much more aggressive pursuing a quarterback in the first round of the 2022 draft? He felt they were too passive for his liking last year, though he understood the building process. Nikki, how aggressive do you think they'll be? I think they have to be aggressive, but if they keep going at the rate they are, they're going to land a top five pick. So they, you know, they're going to hold, hold Pat and should be able to get, you know, one of the top quarterbacks. The question is, is that what they want? Do they want a young guy or do they want to try to sign, um, you know, a veteran, you know, the, the really good ones don't hit the free agent market. Um, so they're going to have to decide if they, if, they really are built to develop a quarterback if they like the quarterbacks in this draft or if they want to um, get another rental. I'm, I'm so over the, you know, the rental quarterback thing. Yeah. I just don't think it, it helps anyone that said, you don't want to mortgage the future to a guy that you don't believe can be good um, because if the staff is not all in, then that quarterback is going to be gone in two years. Um, so I, 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 think they could have a, a 
top 10 pick for sure. Right now. Um, so, <laughs> well, um, yeah. And you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think the hard part will be to, will they like anybody in this draft enough, but if you don't, what's the alternative and can you sell that another year? And I, I know, um, but I did that big quarterback piece early in the year before, well, whatever, I think it was before the Thursday night game, but going through all their starters, I talked to Mel Kuyper about some of it. Actually, no, I'm sorry. This was for the Chase Young, Justin Herbert story before the Chargers game, looking back on that draft. And Mel Kuyper was the only one who advocated at the time for them drafting a quarterback because the philosophy is if you don't have one, you've got to draft one. And they won't, they may not have it at that point, but I don't like the idea of forcing one. The funny thing is last thing, JP, and I'll go to you on this, but when we were in Green Bay, I was talking to our, our Packers reporter, Rob Domofsky, and he was talking about how he's having a hard time coming up with new stories to write about Aaron Rodgers because he's been there forever. And I'm like, well, I'm the opposite because all, I, all we get here are new stories on quarterbacks because every few months, it's like the weather, it's like the weather in Cleveland. You stick around 10 minutes, it's going to change, you know? And so that's what we get. But, you know, what do you think, JP? What a great problem to have to run out. I know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's like a billionaire saying, "I have so much money, I don't know how to spend it anymore." Right. Come stories to write about Dan Snyder. See how much fun that is. <laughs> um, I don't think they love any of these quarterbacks. I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to be. I mean, by the time we get to April, we'll be saying something different. But possibly right now, every talent evaluator you talk to says, "I mean, there's not a top." If you're just picking off talent, there's not a top ten QB. It'd be. I mean, this draft has lots of good players, but they're not quarterbacks. Um, I think they're going to finish with a top five, top seven pick. Um, I think because free agency opens up before the draft, there's a chance that they have something that they're going to try to sell. Um, But Nikki said something that I think is interesting and really is what's most important and really hasn't happened here, at least in the last decade, is whatever strategy they go with. Whatever plan they embark upon, everyone has to be into it and they have to stick to it. So if it's get a veteran and make a run for two, three years, you got to stick with it. And if it's draft some kid and and sign Mariota or Trubisky, whoever, I I think those are real options, by the way. I think so, too. I I think, okay. I mean, (laughs) the problem is if you don't have one thing, if, if you if you present a secondary option in this city before Halloween, people will ask for the second option. Patient, there is no patience in the NFL, especially when it comes to the quarterback position. I mean, I, I always try to think, what if, what if John Elway had to be a rookie in the NFL nowadays? I mean, he, he would have been on team number three already, you know, yeah. with the way he played as a rookie. It's just, there's no... And I always go back again, I always... Thank you, you know, these people that you write for and all that and the stuff that they've gone through with these quarterbacks and the false hopes over the years that it gets exhausting for them to have to wait for another one to possibly come through. But, you know, I think the hard part with this draft class is they may have to do that. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But anyway, so I, I do think they're going to be aggressive trying to get a quarterback. I just don't know if they're going to get their long term answer. It's just it's it's kind of impossible to know right now. So let's get to the next question. All right. All right, going back to kind of quarterbacks, this is from Shockingly 2-6. and six. Some of these avatars are kind of funny. How different would the season be if Fitzpatrick and Samuel were healthy? Do you think it'd make a difference, JP? 
and what's and how much of one. And we've talked about some of this on like the Washington Football Showtime. People can watch us on there. I wanted to plug that. Yeah, damn right. We'll have a show. There's no bye week for that show. Sunday morning, 7 a.m. or 7.30. Um, uh, Channel 4. Um, <laughs> I think I, this, I, I really don't want this to be a hot take, but perhaps it will be. I think if you had a fully healthy Curtis Samuel through eight games, might have had a bigger impact than a fully healthy Ryan Fitzpatrick for eight games. I think Fitz helps you when Heineke was re- so they go to Buffalo. Fitz ain't winning that game. Heineke certainly wasn't winning that game, right? Maybe Fitz helps you against the Chargers Week One, especially having to come out in the middle of the game and stuff. That just always screws things up. I don't think Fitz wins that Atlanta game that Heineke does because it was so much reliant on his legs. And the I think that struggled. Right. I, I think Fitz could have beaten the Saints maybe or the Chiefs. I think those games Heineke was awful and it was kind of inexplicable. Right. Um, but there's, there's stuff Heineke gives you that Fitz doesn't. Um, but I think if you had Samuel all along, we have no idea what this offense would look like. The, right. the really little part we saw him – capable of running around for that what was it first half in Atlanta basically I think the offense looked so much closer to complete um but how much different they're two and six maybe it's three and five they've been so bad like the defensive struggles have been the problem totally yeah what do you think Nikki I mean I I agree with JP like if it were just fits and you had the same issues on offense, same issues, defense, you know, same injuries. I would argue probably not. I mean, I, you might see a few more, you know, completions or, you know, couple, I don't know. He might've made, you know, better decisions on a couple plays, but I, I think Heineke has also saved a number of drives and games that maybe Fitz couldn't just with his mobility. So I don't, I don't know that it'd be totally different with just that swap, but you introduced Curtis Samuel in there. Um, and with, with Heineke adding his mobility, I, I, I think, yeah, I think it could be different. Sure. You know, I, I, I think, I think Terry McLaurin has one of the hardest jobs on this team. He just because he's, you know, he's the, the closest thing they have to a leader, first of all, and he's their, best player and can't do everything that he should be doing statistically um, because he's, he draws the most attention, you know? So I, I think it would be a completely different offense for both him and Curtis and the other players around them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been very hard for them to establish any sort of identity given their injuries across the board over the last two years. I don't know what Scott Turner's offense is really, because I, he probably doesn't know yet. And somebody else asked me that too. That was one of the questions about, you know, can you, how can you judge Scott Turner? I think it's hard until you get the quarterback in there. You can see, you know, some flashes of things. You th- see things you like and things you don't like. But, you, but what I know is over the last two years, they probably had some of the worst quarterback play in general. And I do think, like, I thought they would be, I think they would have beaten Denver with those two in there. Because there are too many plays in the red zone that I saw, like, it's available. You just have to complete the ball. And then there are other plays. I'm like, well, you're right. He did save this play with the scrambles with this or that. 
but I do think there were some plays available. And then the combination, I do, you're right, JP. I think Curtis would, would be a huge deal on that because of how he can change that offense. So next one, Keith wants to know, when do you think it will be fair to assess Ron Rivera's job performance? Assuming they will be pursuing his QB1 this offseason, does the clock start then? I'll start because I think you assess it the entire time. I don't think you wait for a quarterback because you still are charged to build the roster and this is still your team and you can still look like a quality team until you have that QB one. And I, so I think it's fair to judge it the entire time and judge everything. I mean, I assume you, you guys agree with that. I, I'm not waiting for a quarterback just to judge it. I think how far they can go. Yes, but you can still build a good team around that player. They did that. La- they didn't have good quarterback play last year and the defense right. was able to perform. I think if you're, if you're judging Ron right now, that's kind of the question, right? Like when is the right time to judge Ron? Right. I think you got to separate a little Ron, the coach and Ron, the personnel guy. Yeah. I don't know that you can separate that, but they need a good off season of personnel moves next year to kind of validate some of this stuff because Ron's first year, he had Kyle and like Kyle was the one giving the, the press conference in Indy. Like he was, he was the guy in charge, you know, and then he's not. And then that year, things went pretty well. Like, Logan Thomas, J.D. McKissick, Wes Schweitzer, these dudes, nobody was like, are you serious? And they all delivered. The draft class was good. And then a year later, the free agents, you spent some money, and those guys have not delivered. And it, injuries happen, but they still have not delivered. The draft class, I, I mean, Cosby looks like a player. Um, but Next results. Yeah. I think I, they need a good offseason. I, I think – one thing I've been impressed by, and we have seen this plenty, John, is when players just check out. Players are just like, man, F this. This guy ain't it. Um, I haven't seen that. So I think from a coach perspective, they may be getting out-schemed, maybe getting out-talented. I don't know, but they're, they're still buying in. Um, but I think, you got, I think you can question what's happening from the front office for sure. And you have to. And I think to your point, JP, is – you know, it's funny because you talk to people who are close to these players and all that, and I, I ask them all the time, what do they think of Rivera? And so, oh, he, they love him. He loves him. You know, I hear that a lot. So now whether it's universal, until you, unless you talk to all 53 or however many guys are in there, then you don't really know. So one guy doesn't speak for everybody. That's that person's experience with them. But, you know, I hear more complaints about maybe some of the coaches, the, some of the other assistants and what, how they're being charged. Because the other thing, point someone made to me is like, he doesn't coach the offense or defense. He's a CEO. So you kind of, he's able to step back and, and, and oversee. And I think that maybe helps him with the players. I don't know, but what do you think, Nikki? I think he can and should be judged at this yeah. point. He, he took this job to be the face of the franchise. He wanted to run his show top to bottom. You know, that, that, comes with the criticism. You know, he built that front office. He built the coaching staff. Those are his assistants, 90% of them anyway, from that he brought with him from Carolina. So if they're not up to snuff, that ultimately goes to him. You know, he may not be the one in the room directly, but he's responsible for everybody below him, which is the entire football operations. Um, you know, you look at this offseason, and yeah, we can make comparisons to Kyle Smith and this and that. You know, Kyle Smith had a lot of not so great picks or his that staff had a lot of not so great picks but you know we still haven't gotten clarity on how exactly this front office works you got like five guys with gm experience and we don't know who does what 
I hope they know they haven't said to us. Um, but we, you know, you look at the guys they brought in both free agents via trade uh, draft picks. I think DeAndre Carter is the best guy they've brought in or the most productive guy they've brought in. Curtis Samuel will ultimately be that, I think, but he hasn't been available. So there's a lot of new players and they, they totally. haven't been available. Um, right. The, so, injuries have, the injuries have really hurt that. And that's, they have. you know, they like, have. And then William Jackson, like your big name signings haven't been correct. what you expected. So that ultimately falls on your staff and ultimately on correct. Ron Rivera. That's a decision they made. So, all right, we've got two more, and I'll try to keep this quick here. Um, ash burning, and so we go to the Ashburn syndrome. Ash burning, with so many impending big contracts coming up this and next year, why would you say rebuilding is a three- to five-year project without trading for draft capital If that now, if that's your mindset? And I think he's talking about the three to five years that Ron talked about with changing the culture. And I think that there's a difference between three and five years of a rebuild and three and five years of changing culture. So I know what the re- my own take is, the rebuild, based on what I've heard, in talks over the last years, they felt like they could get to a point within a next year or two at a point where you're a strong contender with the right parts. The three to five years, I felt, and maybe I'm, I, this is my take on it, that the three to five years is changing the culture. When the culture goes from in every other year to consistent winning and developing consistent winning habits in an organization. And that's the part that I thought he was talking about there. Do, did I read that right or wrong? I kind of lumped them together, like, you know, changing all the, you know, making them a successful p- football team. Um, but it can't take that long, dude. Like, it's yeah, just- I was going to say, like, no, we know how this team is. There's not, whether he needs that long or not, I mean, there's not going to be the patience for that long. Well, I don't think the NFL would allow that. Five years to, I, I think Ron says, I think Ron is really savvy in the, or at least tries to establish expectations on a really big yes. level. And I think that's what a lot of that is. And I do think, you know, this dude, people sleep on how much he reads and how educated he is. Like he has read that in military manuals. Oh, no all. doubt. There's no doubt. It's about building like a country and like setting up democracy. Like <laughs> win some games, dude. Like get a quarterback, win and some like, games. And like, and like I said, I do think, do you, like, again, maybe I'm just naive and trying to parse it too much. And that's probably – I overanalyze things and I think I may be doing it here. John, because I think he parses too much. You know what I mean? Like drill it down, like say a little less. Okay, some of the- Yeah. And, that, and I, I, that's, and that's fair. And like, I don't, I, I also gonna change until they get a quarterback. Well, and that's true. Everything but else also, doesn't matter. I also think that we've heard that word culture a million times in the last year. And I, I do. Yeah. I'm hearing about culture when the DEA just rolled up. So, and that, that's, that's, that's true. That yeah. listen, that's all part of it. So yeah, but and, but I do like what I know. I hear and when it's when you talk to people over there, they'll talk about one to two years where they're building to a like, for example, why they didn't go after a quarterback last year. Uh, you know whether it was give more for Matthew Stafford or trade up to get a guy in the draft because like well, when when we have to like when um when we're ready, we'll go do it. So, anyways, there you go. Um, that. I appreciate you guys sticking on here this long and I took you longer than I wanted to. So I appreciate it. There's one more question, but I'm going to answer it before this, before you guys come on. So that way they'll, they'll get their answer and I can give it to them too. So thank you very much. Thank you, Johnny. It was fun. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to JP and Nikki for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with these with these two for a Life on the Beat episode on Friday. Talk to you next time.